Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Miami Nice. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with the incredible soon-to-be best-selling author of Everybody Knows, the award-winning author, screenwriter, friend of the show, Jordan Harper. Thank you so much for listening to last week's episode. If you haven't, go back, check it out. It is an absolutely wild conversation that continues to be more wild as we get going along. And... <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we've been very pretentious and highfalutin, and now we get a bit silly and have a, a great deal of fun. So, before you turn this off, here we are. Who you know fresher than whole? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking. Yeah, can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rappers like hand G rapping his prime. I'm young H O. Raps grateful dead. Back to take over the globe. Now break bread. I'm in Boeing Jets. Well, no, and it's, it's really interesting because you can think about, like, you talk about that idea of the, was it utopic elsewhere? Yeah, utopic elsewhere. Where, where you're saying, like, what's attainable and what's a dream? Like, in Thief, they go to the beach for their one perfect moment, and, like, the, the music is ridiculous, and, and it's hairy chests and walking around but it's a dream right that's not everybody knows that's not real life and and, and in this movie that is represented and I, I did want to talk about this about with it's, it's proto michael man instagram yes <laughs> it's but, um, the life that we want to live after being a thief you know you, um, you do the big job and then you you go and celebrate on the beach somewhere but but that 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 in a michael man movie it can never be that it is you never get to the beach you yeah, never right. you you can visit um, and just like, you know, in this film, it's Cuba, which is portrayed in this film as a paradise. Yeah. Um, it is, I mean, you, you cut hard cut into like the coolest club you would have ever been in, in your life with that <laughs> the guy. Does. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. No, that's not a helpful for a podcast to do the dance. That Don't that worry. Guy does. We've got video clips now. <laughs> but, so, uh, <laughs> so you I just love made that yourself guy. a gift. Wait, I also think Manola got up and danced on our podcast. She did. <laughs> she, she, but she would never let me release the, the yeah. Manola cut <laughs> but, of that episode. But Manola's like, does he, when he dances like this. Yeah, she like people... got out of her chair and danced anyway. So <laughs> oh, I love no. that, that that's a thing. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that is, you know, yeah, it is a manifestation of of whatever you were going to say that was really smart. <laughs> 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 Utopic elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool club. But also, I think there's a, a there's an element to the fact that in 2006, it was hard to get to Cuba. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And like for as an American. And it wasn't, you know, like it was in the 1950s where you could hop over, have lunch and come back. And like, it was this playground for, you know, wealthy uh, Americans to go hang out, but- And launder money. It, <laughs> right, but like the fact that it, in that time period was really hard to get to. It was this like, ooh, like exotic, it can't get, you can't get there. You have to fly through Cancun. You have to fly through Santa Domingo to get there. My dad went there a bunch of times when it was like impossible to get to um and uh it's yeah it's like it's it's forbidden fruit it's utopic elsewhere it's yeah. unattainable it's interesting because it's forbidden fruit great that's a great that's that's definitely what's going on yeah. <laughs> it, it's also it's specifically forbidden to him uh, yeah. there there's some kind of story behind why her uncle is a harbor master um you know she is chinese um, you know, there, there are relations between, uh, you know, Cuba and China that might explain why her uncle is the harbor master. I don't really know that much about it, but like, 
you know, he says something really interesting on that after, during that amazing boat ride uh, that I'm sure you guys have talked to absolute death, but it is it is a truly great moment in cinema. We always want to um, hear other folk talk about it, Jordan. That's why I, we I don't do know that show. we really have unpacked the, yeah, the boat yeah, ride we could talk, specifically. We could, we could talk oh. more about the boat ride. Well, I said, you know, she says, let's go to Cuba. And he says something really interesting, which is he says, they don't like my profession and they don't, they don't like, like my, my business and they don't like, they don't my, like my business and they don't like my passport. What's interesting about that is he doesn't say our business. My. Right. Yeah. My yeah. business, because it's true if he's being honest with her and it's true if he's lying, because what else Cuba doesn't like besides drug running is people who uphold the, the power American of the United laws. States of America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, in fact, he is incompatible with Cuba. And maybe she could run to Cuba at some point, but they're not going to want uh, this guy uh, to, to live in what, again, is portrayed in the film as a real paradise with all the, you know, the classic cars and they live in this beautiful house and the, the ocean is right there, which again, if you've ever seen any footage of, of Havana, it seems to be the case is that the ocean is right there and it is gorgeous and beautiful. And, and, uh, and so I just find that really interesting, but like, you know, talk about the sublime and, and, and a thing I was just thinking about while watching this, this gorgeous movie is like a thing to, I just came up with this idea. It's like, it's really important to pay attention to what an artist chooses to make beautiful. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I if if you guys disagree with me about this, I, look, Gong Lee is an absolutely beautiful woman. Lots of women in the Michael Mann canon are are beautiful women. I don't think he photographs women to be beautiful. The way that he photographs go fast boats to be beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like most beautiful shot to me in Miami Vice is like either when they're on the the roof and you see the mm -hmm. crazy purple sky or when they're flying those planes through yeah. the like big the, white fluffy clouds. And, that, yes. and, the, and, the, and the go fast boat that's a bullet like right down, it's like yeah. uh, bisecting the screen uh, through the ocean and you see the wake of the boat. And that that for me, like the jewel of the ocean and the, and the white boat there is like this tooth carving what, through it is so beautiful. And what he does is really interesting in both that airplane shot and like some of the shots in the ocean are he, he pulls back farther than you normally would. That plane is so small. Yeah. yeah. Um, but by doing that, it makes you understand how amazing planes are. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. you're like, that thing's in the middle of the fucking sky. That boat <laughs> is carving through this giant nothing. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. He loves tech, and I agree, Katie. And I agree. Amy, poor Amy Brenneman is not photographed uh, uh, gracefully. In heat. She looks like a hot mess every five minutes. Her hair's all over the place. Her, her apartment's dimly lit, and even even Ashley Judd, who is as hot as a woman has ever been in heat, she doesn't get any sort of glamorized photography in that movie. No, I mean the the, the I that's that's my only point is 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 that I don't think that is what Michael Mann is, is trying to accentuated is, is feminine beauty or, or I mean the men look great too but the same like that sex scene and is really hot but like um but that's not his concern his he and I, Katie I think maybe my favorite scene in the movie is that one on the rooftop yeah um yeah and it's because I do I love procedure this is a procedural yeah. again Armand White yeah. is correct that it is a procedure it is and Michael Mann coming up in television has learned how fun it is to watch people really good at their jobs do their jobs. Mm -hmm. And and particularly when life and death are on the line. And and the the way they talk to each other, it's so brutal and direct and they're so angry at Siren Hines and he's so angry at them. And then that sky and the skyline is, you're right, it's so beautiful. Yeah, stunning.
Absolutely and, stunning. And, and I think, you know, the other thing that this movie, and it's, it's maybe what I remember most from seeing it in the theater is the way he shoots the violence. Um, it's so yeah. matter of fact, but also, um, you know, he doesn't do a lot of slow motion when people walk in a room, but he'll do slow motion when an arm gets blown off. Yeah, that slow motion shot. That's he, that's some peck and, that's Michael Mann peck and paw shit. That that uh, that that gun shooting that car and the 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 bits of that person's body flying all over the you know the the Russian guy. How long have you been working for the FBI? <laughs> that, that's uh, that's I I remember how visceral and gnarly that was, and I was like, holy shit, this movie is gonna be insane. Like I'll right after that moment say that like as, as blake knows i'm a, a huge advocate of, of um practical squibs mm, uh, yes. huge uh advocate i just think they they look better they just look better it feels better um this movie does both but i will say and i learned this when you guys did your uh when i watched uh, uh the miami nice did we talk about that yeah miami nice cut the Miami nice cut. Okay, I just want to make sure. Um, and no, we've, think- we've talked about it. There's one last thing I've been, I, I made a note because there's one last thing I need to tell you about that after you said this. So, yeah, we watched it together. But we had in our Miami nice live screening, we had amazing people. We had like, well, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Talk, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that was where I learned that that arm coming off was CGI. Yes. Um, they had fooled me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, there's... Um, the headshot at the end with the Aryan Brotherhood in the trailer, that's very bad. That's why I hate digital squibs. It just looks like a puff of Microsoft Paint blows up behind them. Um, <laughs> but that one, boy, that one, and maybe the slow motion helps it and makes it, um, it already feels unreal because it's in slow motion, so you're not looking at it in the same way. But that is some of the best digital violence I've ever seen. Yeah, it's crazy. The one last thing I was going to say, Jordan, is Katie and I's one of our regrets, we had we had the help of a very experienced and incredible editor for our Miami nice cut, a professional editor um, who helped us assemble the cut. And one of the things that we wanted was we actually wanted in from the director's cut, uh, they do non points or, or Mogwai or whatever it is in the air tonight in, in the director's cut of Miami vice. And we were like, if there's one thing that we want, it would be to kill non-points version and to put in Phil Collins's version oh, of In the so Air Tonight. And we really wanted to do it, but the challenge is you actually need the elements. You need to break mm-hmm. it, the elements out so that you've got all of the the actual soundscape. You know, Elliot Caretz mm-hmm. is the sound designer. You need all of his layering of all of like car, sound, guns, and then you need those and be able to detach them from the way that the score is mixed to then remix the new score and we couldn't do it. So then we just went back. Like I, I just said, no, let's just go back to, you know, the original theatrical cut for that, because that was just one regret if I, if I could do it, but you know, if we ever do somehow find, um, find all of those elements, <laughs> find someone's final cut pro that has those elements in it, we will maybe revise our Miami nice cut. But, uh, yeah, that's, that was one thing that I was thinking of. It's like, yeah, the, the drums in, in the air tonight, like, you know, yeah, just mm-hmm. every, every, just every part about it. It's like, it was the coolest yeah. needle drop of all time. And like it, cinema, that, that's the thing that you were talking about with Armand right before. So again, you know, you could, I think with Armand right so many times, it's like, he's not wrong. He's, his opinion is not wrong with the, the articulation of that opinion or like where, where he 
he sort of like provides evidence and you're like, that makes sense. And that's really smart and very well thought out. And then where he goes from there, the digression that he then takes to come to a conclusion, you're like, I have no idea how your brain works. Like usually is how I usually <laughs> read it on white, but I do admire him as a writer because he usually gets yeah. to these really fascinating points. And then it's like, then it goes off the rails, but how many movies just ripped off Miami vice nonstop? Yeah. The show. I mean, the show, like the, so many films lived in its shadow for decades. Like they just all the time were hugely informed by it. I mean, it just that scene. I mean, you know, that scene is responsible for in the air tonight being in the air tonight, how we think of it. It was not yes. a hit before. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been a hit, but like that, that scene made it a cultural moment. Made it a smash. Can, yeah. And, you know, that is, uh, I, I'm sure that. Uh, I've talked about this with Blake, but like there's a second scene in the pilot that I think is almost as good. And it's um it's a tub scene. So so Tubbs gets more in, in in the pilot and and it's they're at the nightclub, they're undercover, and then uh they're told that uh Calderon, the man who killed Tubbs' brother, is is willing to to meet them. He sends a bottle of champagne to their table. And now Tubbs has to walk across the nightclub to shake the hand of the man who murdered his brother. And the band at this Miami nightclub, like the kind you see in Scarface, is uh, kicks into a cover version of uh, Lionel Richie's All Night Long. Oh my God. <laughs> and I need to rewatch the pilot. It's been years. It's really great. But this scene, it's the thing about it is it's it's the kind of ear that like Scorsese has where you take a song that that isn't an obvious needle drop. Because nobody goes, oh, we need a sad, melancholy song. I know, grab Lionel Richie's All Night Long. <laughs> but there is actually, there is like a, a melancholy to that song. It, it, there's, it's always been a little weird that way. Mm -hmm. And and so it actually, it's this beautiful, beautiful moment of Tubbs walking across the club and Crockett knows something's wrong, but he doesn't know what. And he follows him and it just goes right up to where he he uh, sees Calderon sitting at his table and they do this uh, pan in on cold Rome that's slow and, and boy, TV used to take its time back then. And like, <laughs> and it's just this, it, it, his abilities to, to do that, I think are not perfect. And I think they're really not perfect because by Miami vice, he probably needed to start really working with a music supervisor who was a good deal younger than him. Um, <laughs> but like, cause I got, I just driving out just at a thing and driving home and just randomly my phone, uh, coughed up my playlist, uh, it had the prime movers uh, strong as I am came yeah. up as I was yeah. driving home today from uh, Manhunter, which is another just amazing song that he's, he has such a great ear. I think, you know, the Moby song and the, the that is the one truly like really beautiful and intentionally beautiful romantic scene in this movie that just, it, I think is wholly effective is that speedboat when the, it's Moby. Uh, yeah. he, he uses Moby without it ever feeling corny which moby can in a lot of contexts mm -hmm. um there's moby is one hair away from being fat boy slim you know yeah. he's like he's like a lot there's like a he, he the sublime line between moby and fat boy slim is literally how you deploy his music in my opinion mm -hmm. it's like when you sometimes you can like he uses moby and ali as well as a great drop needle drop in ali which is fantastic and it's just so perfect and soaring and amazing and in vice and um, obviously in heat and yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to nail him perfectly. I think he, he, and he uses the right parts of the songs. He cuts right. out before Moby starts singing. Yeah. Um, um, but I do think like that, 
that you, we didn't really the boat scene the, the moment that i think is, is again you look for these like why is this so fucking hot is that he takes off his suit jacket and he has her hold the wheel and so he can take off his and he's just like not quite bursting out of the shirt jacket <laughs> uh, out of the shirt but it's like a white linen and and mm -hmm. the water and you know white linen is the most unflattering of all shirts it's the worst <laughs> it's the worst like if you don't have a good body white linen is unforgiving well, and I love but, when he comes back and his shirt is just drenched mm -hmm. in sweat. And it's yeah. like, Tubbs is just looking at him like, this fucking guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> where the hell have you been for three days? And Bro, you, you smell you like sex. You like rum. You smell like rum, rum and, and sex. sex. <laughs> Your shirt looks a mess. What a musk he must have had, right? <laughs> oh my he, like, God. Two you two know, hours of two hours of ocean, a night of like <laughs> a night, and then the next morning of furious sex and just mojitos pouring out of his skin. There is one, <laughs> there's one time after a huge night when I was young, and in Australia the legal drinking age is 18, and I got so drunk, and I bet my brother, who was part of the instigator of getting me drunk on that my 18th birthday, then took me to work the next day, and I was absolutely colossally hangover. I had the worst night of all time you can imagine. Drank too much, vomited, disgusting, whatever. And I was working the next day, and I worked in a I worked in a warehouse, and I was a storeman, so I was like moving around pallets and wheeling these huge things around and things. And one of the ladies I worked with, this lovely lady named Petra, walked past me, and she goes. She smelled like a bourbon. <laughs> like I just, it was coming out of my you pores. You smell like a distillery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. disgusting. Ugh. Uh, but if yeah. we could bottle that smell, ocean, mm. Cuban sex, and, <laughs> and meters. The Colin Farrell cologne. Yeah. Oh my God. Cologne Farrell. Cologne Farrell. Oh. Cologne Farrell. <laughs> Somebody get his people on the phone. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. We got We got a, We got a yeah. business pitch for him here. Uh, he is, he is really, he is a contradiction. Like, you know, that thing of like the guy who both wants to be a mess and wants to be ordered. He really embodies that in a way that a lot of the other characters just, you know, put the button down. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like the end of city of women, uh, the Fellini movie, Marcello Mastriani climbs up the hot air balloon and it's the shape of a woman who has both the characteristics of the mother and, and the whore or the virgin yeah. and the whore. I mean, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's. He's like that, but for like uh, cops and dirtbags. You know? like, <laughs> yes, yes. Like he embodies both things simultaneously because he is, I mean, he is, he is a rain. That's a guy, you know, has a, has a musk, even if he's not just getting off that boat. That's not a guy. He's, he's got a musk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I do love when you bring up him taking off the jacket and holding the, the steering wheel. Cause like, I think a lot of times like filmmakers, the really good ones know that like the hottest things are like simple moments like that. It's not whatever sex. It's like more the intimacy or the like little flirty things, you know, that happen, you know, between people. I don't know. I think that Michael Mann's sex scenes like they are hot, but the the camera is on their faces. It's mm -hmm. not on their bodies. It's about what's happening between them emotionally and for the characters. It's never like some you know lascivious like exploitative sex scene where you're seeing people's bodies it's just the emotional connection that we're watching we'll be right back after these messages
Yeah, there's even like when he's done taking off his his shirt jacket, he puts his hand down, not on her leg, but like the 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 throttle is right next to her leg. So again, yes. it's just like this little moment of okay, now my now that I'm free, now that I'm you know, uh, and he lets her drive, which obviously like again not to Freudian, but these are. Uh, Sea penises. Did you just say sea penises? I, I did. Um, <laughs> but he gives her control of it for a moment, you know, so he can take it's off. It's a very his... powerful sea penis. It's a good. It's a very penis. powerful sea penis. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. That's okay. <laughs> I'm like literally crying. I love this show so much. I really don't have. It nearly as much fun in any other part of my life than when I'm sitting here on this show. Oh, what a gift. Okay. Well, no, I mean, I Continue. think that's, that's Let's sort of it. But he gives her control of it for a while, which is, I yes. mean, it's a powerful thing. It's just like yeah. here, which you're like, really? Like, aren't we going like 200 miles an hour? This <laughs> <laughs> isn't this first? isn't this horrifically dangerous like yeah like if you turn <laughs> even as really shitty uh in australia i used to do surf lifesaving and we we have there are they're not called go fast boats but they're like inflatable speed boats for surf rescues and in australia when you're a surf like surf lifesaver you call them the rubber duck like that's mm. just a nickname for it and even in that if you're going full throttle and you turn it like you yeah. get like whiplash and i used to drive those things and ride in them and occasionally if i had a friend who was like oh take me out for a ride i would do that and i would just turn suddenly and then tipped him out of the boat <laughs> just to be a pain in the ass um uh, and uh, especially more my more button-up friends but i imagine with that if there's even like the slightest turn at the speeds that they're going it's like dangerous so yeah. that's what's also cool about it he's like yeah just take the wheel and she's just like this is dangerous for both of us. You know, mm -hmm. it's my life's in your hands. Um, but he, he's wearing a suit and they're in like Miami, even a linen suit. That's hot. Yeah. It's That's hot. really warm. Yeah. It's, and, and this is an impromptu trip to Cuba. They're taking, yeah. uh, it, no, it's, it's, but then he does, he, he, when he's done, he puts his hand back on the wheel and then he puts his hand and it looks like he's putting his hand on his, on her leg, but he's not, he's putting it on the throttle, but it's still like, it's a, it's all a very hot moment. And it's that whole sequence. And then, they they kind of take turns taking their hair down not literally but like she, she when she's in cuba she has long hair yeah it, you know and then when she goes back to herself she or back to herself that's it back to herself is an interesting thing because i think again i think this applies to the michael michael mann's characters who want something in their heart is there's this this idea that the that the thing you keep inside you that is deep is somehow truer than the self that you live on the surface. But I don't actually think that's true. I think the you that you live and interact with the world, that is you. And yes. then, and, and, and so she is a buttoned up, hard as nails, cutthroat capitalist businesswoman who again, dreams of love and has the ability to be a lover as well. But it's not like, you know what I mean? She's the, the, the hidden self is not the true self. It's just the hidden self. Yes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that you see that again and again in these movies are these these people who dedicate their lives and I, I like michael mann has dedicated his life to yes being a family man and a, and, a, and a husband but also to to executing something at the highest level uh, so many of his films particularly thief are are about hollywood and making films in hollywood i think um i think we talked about that already yeah but um 
yeah so i just i think but it is interesting that that she lets herself experience so this gets back to i think we weren't even on the air yet talking about twitter and multiplicities or um yeah you know this idea that we we are we are different people at different times and uh, for different audiences i cannot be in a day job where i have to maintain my professionalism i can't do what we do here like <laughs> and it's 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 and you and you i think part of there's a whole you know even if you're talking about sort of an old old terms of like masculinity paradigms it's like you know sometimes you don't necessarily want to be anything but sweet and dignified and approach people in a, like i'm not even talking like professionally distant but like just dignified and like supportive and things like that and then you have your inner circle of people where you can be extremely candid and like have your guard down and go god that was fucked up or whatever like you, you, th there's the idea that you are you are everything that could be contained in a, a in, in a profession in your you know with your profession in your entire life and or particularly contained in 200 and something characters and that is exactly your the expression of the fullest version of yourself all the time um i think that man like whether it was it's probably unconscious but he's very like he's for, for whatever reason he's a guy who's sort of understood the zeitgeist it's like he understands that people have complicated are complicated individuals and i think that's why we love his characters because we see these dichotomies in them in their professional and personal lives all the time or wrestling with having to let go of the professional you know button up or having to let go of the professional mindset you know we talked about the sublime you briefly touched on manhunter jordan and about the score before but it's like the the will graham bit of it all is that like this is a guy who literally had to escape all cities had to escape his job to get to maintain some sem semblance of normalcy and even then it's tenuous you know the most serial killer look in manhunter is a bunch of seagulls flying slow motion in front of graham's wife as he's looking at her and he's looking at her like he's going to consume her it's not like a romantic look it's it's something like you would imagine francis dollarhide looks at a victim that he's about to take you know so it's it's a very interesting thing but i think that that's uh, just like this question of we contain multitudes and we show different faces to the world like that could not be more perfectly you know articulated than in an undercover cop mm -hmm. yes and the funny thing about sonny crockett is like he's kind of the same all the time yes <laughs> the fact that like when he's in cop mode and when he's in undercover mode he's like basically the same person like you know he and you're like this guy's a little too good at being <laughs> undercover and like, and then, you know, he's, and so it's just interesting. And it's, so the fact that, you know, man starts his career with the TV show, Miami vice about undercover cops and then continues this question. I mean, that's like the ultimate, you know, all of these characters are juggling one thing or the other, but like this question of who do you show to the world and how is like the undercover cop yes. question. You know, it's, I mean, that's a really good point because in most undercover cop films, there would be a moment where you see the cop dress as him and then later you see him as the criminal and there has been a change. They don't change clothes. No. They don't change yeah. hair. They don't change cars. Like they're driving Lamborghinis for some reason <laughs> as cops. Like when they go to catch uh, John Hawks, like they're right. driving like 
a very expensive car. <laughs> and and has- what's even more hilarious, Michael Mann flew to the factory in Italy <laughs> to look at it and then had it flown to the United States. Am I, is it a Ferrari or is it a Lamborghini? I think it's a Ferrari. Okay. I think it's a Ferrari. Or, oh, no, it's not a Lambo. It's a Ferrari. That one's a Ferrari. And I, there's probably a Lambo later. <laughs> Just, you know, have a couple. And like their 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 strategy when they go to meet, we haven't talked about John Ortiz yet, who's so great in this movie. But um, when they go to meet him, uh, and I'll come back to the, the the paintings, which you guys might have discussed already. But I, um, their strategy for integrating themselves in with this crime family is to be the biggest pair of dicks you've ever met in your yeah. life. <laughs> um, my mommy and my daddy love me. <laughs> yeah, like, if somebody said that I, to oh, me, you, you would laugh. Okay, I it's okay that I laughed at that. The first yeah, time I <laughs> my mommy and daddy know me. There are there are some real cornball dialogue in this movie. Um, it's so good. The 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 constant directions line is terrible. It, it doesn't really make any sense. I know what it means. <laughs> I love that. I love the, that. A lot of the rhymes. If they don't do crime, if they ain't done time with us, they don't do crime with us. Like that's. I mean, and even Jamie Fox like in that same scene where they meet, um, where they meet Jose Yero and where they meet the amazing John Ortiz where they yeah. meet him it's just like he's like um I don't like how he looks and he goes <laughs> do you want to fuck my partner <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. like even after the de-escalation it's like do you want to fuck him or do you want to do business yeah. with him yeah uh, why not the- both why not both? Por que not... no dos? Por que no los dos? That's right. Which is what they end up doing, just not to right. tease. But like, right. Uh, uh, but have you guys, like, I, when I, I never really noticed this until I watched it last night. I've seen this movie a lot. But like, um, when they go to meet John Ortiz, they walk into the bowels of hell. Yes. Um, yes. There, I mean, the, the painting in the background, there's a the woman who, who appears to be a voodoo priestess of some kind with a little shrine yeah as they're um, walking down there's that little shrine yeah. as they come down into that uh, into that part yeah it's in and haiti I, I think yeah it's really presented as if cuba is presented as a paradise uh haiti is presented as hell and yeah. uh and that they are that is a classic undercover cop thing of like the the entering of the layer as it were it really feels like that in this movie it's it but k i just you're really correct about like um that he just he doesn't change socks you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the, exactly the same the like he sunny is consistent the whole movie but he it just depends on what who he's talking to like that you know if he's a cop or a or a criminal but yeah and and it, that's that weird thing that michael man i think is fascinated about with undercovers and i think he gets it and I think this is like, Jordan, you, you've talked about it with Thief a lot, but like the whole thing about Michael Mann making every one of them as a Hollywood commentary. I think it's about actors. Mm. It's like actors who are the closest to themselves or like the role is as close to themselves that they can find a way in that helps reflect who they are or how they operate. The, the distance between the actor and the character is just, it's blurred. And I think that with Sonny, what's great is that you know, why he's probably really good, but also very dangerous as an undercover operative is that like he, the line is blurred for him constantly. Like he doesn't have the, like, 
oh, like the, you know, the Jamie Foxx's tubs, like, oh, I'm just joking, like mucking around <laughs> when he's having sex and having a laugh or I'm going to go to sleep or whatever and have some downtime. Like he doesn't know when to turn off. That's his thing about the sublime yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's looking, he's staring into the volcano. He's looking into the sun and he knows that he's going to go blind because he's just, you know, he's, you think I'm in so deep. I never, you think I'm in so deep. I forgot. And he's like, I'll never doubt you. But that's because he knows that like, he's just, he's tiptoeing on the razor blade between these two things, like being the guy or, or pretending to be the guy. And I think that that manifestation of it is really interesting. That's it is. And, and, and it kind of gets to this idea that you see over and over again in, in, in his work is this idea that like the only place life really happens is when you're on the edge of the possible, which yes. is, you know, um, which I think Michael Mann is an artist. It's, a, it's, it's that's his operating is he's trying to push himself to the absolute edge of something. And again, I think that points to why these guys aren't to them. I think there's the mess of, of emotions, but there's also like the, this idea that you can't have both things. And if they're going to choose one, what are you going to choose ball games and burgers? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, going to choose go fast. No. What do we say? High speed penises on the ocean. Sea penises C, C and penises. mojitos. Yeah. I'm going with sea penises and mojitos, I think. <laughs> well, right. I mean, you can't imagine like, uh, and I think maybe that's, you know, yes. Gong Li is essentially, uh, un unattainable even when she's attainable because he knows from the beginning, this there's yeah. no scenario that ends with us. Um, yeah. no, you know, in suburban works, Illinois, but that's why he can let his guard down. Yes, because it's never going to be serious. It's never going to be long term. Yes, so and, he and, can open himself up to her. And that's the, the collateral, the collateral of it all as well, which is that like Vincent is at his most authentic and unguarded with Max. And right, another Jamie because it's temporary. He can say everything he's ever wanted to say because at the end of the night, I know you're going to die, or one of yeah. us is in the in the context of collateral. But it's like I can just give you everything because this is disposable. I'm never going to see you again after this, and it's done. Whereas in this, that's kind of where he gets to be his most authentic self because he thinks it's just all going to go to hell. I uh, I think that's like that's really yes, that's exactly right. He's he, it's interesting that he doesn't use that kind of it's not like oh i'm gonna go have one night stands because i know they can't last it's it's this kind of very perverse choice of like oh i know this can't last so i'm going to give it everything yeah um, and it's it's sad it really is i do think a lot of these stories turn out to be tragedies and and um and this one ends with such a it's again to go back to what katie said it's like he's so himself that when gong lee realizes he's a cop she doesn't get mad at him the way that the women in these movies often fairly do. Um, like in Point Break, when Lori Petty like is like, oh, you know, it's great. A Katie um, movie. I was also going to bring up Point Break because I love when Tom Sizemore mm. is like, "You think I like having this hair?" This hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and you know what? So good. Sonny Crockett. That's the haircut he chooses. That's right. <laughs> He gets up and he, the thing that you can never show. And what Johnny just, Utah chooses that hair. Johnny <laughs> Utah chooses his hair in that. Yeah. That's true. But he does kind of like, he goes, he changes clothes. You know, you see yeah. him halfway through the movie carrying the surfboard and the, and the FBI thing. But like what would absolutely destroy uh, Colin Farrell's character in this movie where it was, if you saw him trimming that mustache. No, yes. we, the mustache yeah, is sacred. Yes. It's sacred. <laughs> or if you saw him go to his hairdresser 
because that's a hairdresser. That's not a barber who does that. That's a hairdresser. <laughs> and, and, you know, and had him have the conversation about like, you know, layered, but keep it textured, you know, like that's a, that's a guy. <laughs> like that's a conversation he has to have. That's not that would, what, what, what the movie wants you to believe is that he, the hair doesn't grow. The mustache is baked into his skin and that's it. But like, I mean, Blake, you know, like that's work, man. It is you work get, because you've got to you you, be you, tasting it if you don't. You, 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 and <laughs> and you've got to occasionally trim it. And if you have a person that kisses you on a regular basis, they're like, oh, your massage is too long. Like, sort that out, please. You know, yeah. That there's all that. Oh you my god, you can't show it. Uh, Jordan, before we before we wrap up, I do have one thing I want to I want to shout please. out, and and I don't know if you guys have talked about him much because of all the great actors who are who are slightly wasted in this film. There's one truly great actor who is completely hosed by this movie. And that is um, the great Tony Curran, who uh, is listed in the credits as Aryan brother, who oh. has one line of dialogue in the film that is not him. Uh, it is ADR. Did somebody order pizza? Um, yeah. He is the long-haired, uh, red-haired yes. guy in the Aryan Brotherhood trailer at the end of this film. And uh, I, I worked with Tony. Tony Curran plays Dudley Smith in my LA Confidential pilot. Um, Tony Curran is a brilliant actor, and I don't know how he wound up getting what is essentially an extra <laughs> role in the film. And good God bless him. I'm sure he enjoyed working with Michael Mann, and it's great. But uh, Tony is somebody who, especially in this country, has never gotten his full due. It, it, you know, I, I talk him up in my for my L.A. Confidential pilot where he played a truly great Dudley Smith. But um, if you can't watch that, if you're listening at home, I would say uh, he did an episode of Doctor Who um, where he played Vincent Van Gogh. And it is a really spectacular performance. It's one of my very favorite episodes of Doctor Who, not that I'm an expert by any means. Um, and so I just want to shout because I just... I'm sure there's a, a lot of other people in this film that you could say the same thing about. Um, but like Tony is a great actor and he literally exists to open a door and get thrown down the stairs. Uh, by <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I just wanted to shout out the, the great Tony Curran. His IMDB is ridiculously yeah, it's long. wild. Wild. He's in, no, he's great. And once you start seeing him, once you like, yeah, once he becomes gonna... one of your guys, you're going to yeah. see him everywhere because he works all the time because he's really great. And um, uh, I'm trying to think of other like really great roles, but like, he, like you say, he, just, he was in the lat, he was in the Deadwood movie. He was, um, he works. He's, 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 he's great. Yeah. He's he, working. Dude yeah, is. No, yeah. And he's one of checks. the assassins in the Deadwood movie. I watched him only a couple of days ago. ago. Um, he's in Ray Donovan, um, which I think probably has some folks um, who, who love Miami Vice like crossover. Mm -hmm. um he's oh my god he's in luck he's worked with man before he was in luck oh well there you go um and and he's an outlaw king which that's a movie i love yeah it's good that's a good which movie. one is outlaw king is... where uh where chris pine plays like the scottish king oh, i didn't see that one it's on netflix it's actually really good hmm. oh he's in the 13th warrior with antonio Banderas. Oh. That's a that's not a bad movie. I I I I write that. Yeah, no, he's he's been in like a billion things. Holy shit! I'm, I'm looking for it right now, and I'm not seeing. It. He was in a pretty good um like uh, Scottish because he's Scottish. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was in a pretty good Scottish Netflix movie that came out like two years ago where it's like a couple of hunters kind of stumble into the wrong small town and end up getting hunted by the by the locals. And he's one of the locals. He was really good in that. I, anyway, I just I really wanted to shout him out because. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> he um, literally is just there to be in the trailer park and get yeah. shot up. <laughs> um, and he's he's they were punching above their weight when they were able to cast him in that role. Nice. And that's the thing is like Michael Mann's always casting like great actors in these tiny, tiny parts with no lines. <laughs> Jordan, this has been so much fun. I might have to break this episode into two parts because incredible um, stuff. It's just oh, it's so really it's really special. And um I may have to change the title of the episode. Uh, I originally said it was going to be Everybody Knows. Um, uh, every, everybody Knows I Love This Movie, but it might be like I came here to bury him probably for the first half of the episode <laughs> and then see penis for the second. Um, so, look, uh, folks, if you don't know Jordan, you must go and buy She Ride Shotgun. It's out right now. You can buy The Last King of California from the book depository. But I truly think, and he's my friend and I love him, so I'm not looking at him while I say this. But um, everybody knows it's one of the best books I've ever read. And uh, in a year that Heat 2 comes out, um, it's my third favorite book behind uh, Everybody Knows and Razorblade's Tears is just behind me. And the only reason that Everybody Knows is not behind me while I'm talking to him is because I've it is on my wife's bedside table because I'm making her read it because I want to talk about it to someone else. Um, it is so fantastic. I cannot wait to read Everybody Knows. Everybody so Knows. Excited. It's out in January. Only a couple of months uh, to go. And yeah, I think this thing's going to make a splash. I'm so excited for Jordan because he's so insanely talented. And if you want to get more stuff from Jordan, uh, Welcome to the Hammer Party is his newsletter. While Twitter still continues to exist, you can go there um, to find him on Twitter and uh, and subscribe to his newsletter as well. But it's, it's is it a Substack one, Jordan? Can they just go it to Substack? It is a Substack, yeah. yeah. But so it's free. To... I don't charge because I don't do it enough to charge for it. So <laughs> Yeah, so if you go to Substack and just search Welcome to the Hammer Party, amazing musings on writing and creativity and uh, just, you know, whenever... Uh, particularly as uh, some of our projects get more elaborate, I like to go and revisit some of the things that Jordan says to maintain the dream, particularly uh, when I'm trying to get a vibe of a particular show or a particular project. So thank you so much for doing this, man. This has been a joy. This literally flew the whole pretension down to sea penis. Like we've gone, we've gone <laughs> I really mean, wide we, and far. We're- I love that we went to like Lacan and Freud and all of that stuff and Kant. I mean, I, that's amazing. Thank God. Thank God someone took us there. <laughs> this got us really out fun. of the gutter for once and then brought us back straight to the straight gutter. Straight to it. <laughs> high low, high low. Thanks for having me. I, I love doing this. I uh, I love this movie. I love uh, listening to this podcast and every, everything I do uh, talking movies. I, uh, you know, uh, with, with you, Blake and Katie, I'm so glad. We finally met. We I'm finally Zoom. met and we, our, our, we know each other at least voice and face and not just yes. 200 and whatever characters. <laughs> yes. Twitter. And you guys could actually meet, you know, I know we're neighbors. We're practically neighbors. Practically yeah. neighbors. You could meet and, uh, and then have a really in-depth conversation that someone gets to overhear about sea penises and, <laughs> and scare the living daylights out of someone in the public. And I, I, all I wish is that I was there as a fly on the wall to see their face. So, um, <laughs> 
Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, one quick thing before we get going is we have a brand new Miami Nice I'm a Fiend for Mojitos shirt. You can find the links um, in the show notes. Um, you can uh, they're, they're all over Twitter. I'm going to put a new link um, as just like a, a spot on our homepage as well so people can find it. But it is terrific new merch and, uh, and the insanely talented Kate Gabriel, who's a wonderful designer, uh, mocked it up for us. And it's a beautiful and it's just in time for Christmas. So uh, get going. I just- Katie, ordered six of that. <laughs> I'm ordering. I'm literally, I've got like 10 in my cart and all of my friends are going to be uh, bombing around Sydney in them. And they're actually a Miami nice beach towel that you can get on there as well. It's through the Threadless store. So I'm going to get the beach towel because it's about to be Australian summer. So um, down the beach, going to lay out a, I'm a fiend for Mojito's towel, which is uh, going to be super cool. So get your hands on that um, and, uh, and you know, take a snap. Send it to Katie and I while Twitter exists. Yes. We'd love that. Yeah. Um, so we'll catch you on the next, on whatever unhinged conversation Katie and I have next with one of our beautiful and insightful and incredible guests. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. You know, and it feels like such a 20th century movie. It feels like something David Lean would have done or tried to do uh, when he still had that kind of currency. And even then, he might not have succeeded. It's incredible because, like, if you if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of Lost, you can just watch Fearless. <laughs> not a week goes by that I don't think of the ending of Gallipoli. It's left a mark. A uh, year of living dangerously. Uh, you know, and then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of the place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a down ending and they had such a you know sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it as that. And something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me, and I don't think I ever really recovered from it. <laughs> and I'm still upset that they played it in school. Like, I don't think it's actually possible to make an, they say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie, but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Because yes. no one watches that movie then thinks, I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia has ever produced. Like, bar none, hands down. Like, no yeah. one else is even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far, but I I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way, and we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't a bigger name, why he isn't more in that rarefied air, yes. because I think film for film, he's one of our very best filmmakers. He has brought his A-game repeatedly to many <laughs> properties. There are films of his that I hold very dear. Fearless, uh, you know, uh, The Mosquito Coast. I will fight somebody if they talk bad about The Mosquito Coast. It's, man, I love that movie. But in general, I just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, 
lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, it's easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment in, in cinema history. I think 2003, when that comes along and it is a an old fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That, that's the movie that I wanted to see 10 of those, you know, uh, and yeah, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything. And God bless you. But Master and Commander <laughs> should have been. It's one of those things. Again, I I am not uh, I'm not a seafaring man, sir. <laughs> but there is a sense of authenticity. There's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe. If you're gonna pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table, it's Master and Commander. I think you picked the right one, man. Yeah, very excited to see what you you pull, you pull out of this, Blake. That's right. Our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander.